1: Joe Lewis has 5.3 billion reasons to give zero fucks what you think.
2: Equity of up to 150 million pounds.
0: Like you're not here to fun, you're here to win games. We want to try to
2: reduce this gap. I think that. Little- Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. It is episode 105. I am your host, Andrew. And boy, do we have a game to talk about and a week to talk about uh, here today. Tottenham Hotspur get the 1 0 victory over Manchester City. And Harry Kane is your new all time leading scorer in Tottenham Hotspur football club history 267 goals passing the late, great Jimmy Greaves. Uh, it's a fun one, and, and, and we've, got, uh, we've got a lot to talk about. So let's dive right into it. We'll start by throwing out the Todd father to say hello. He is at TC underscore Cachoe. Todd, what's going on, mate?
1: You know, boys, any day you get to talk about a, uh, a record-setting afternoon is a good fucking day, and we get to talk about that today. So I couldn't complain.
2: I couldn't either. I couldn't either. Uh, Scott is also with us. He is at DSM Spurs. Scott, how you feeling, man? I know you were not confident going into that one today.
3: Oh, shit! It was anyone? Um, yeah, they're doing well. I uh, I'm very happy for Kane. He he looked elated today. You know, during and after the match, both, and just what a day for him. Yeah, it was incredible.
2: Incredible scenes, uh, incredible moments after the match with him speaking to the crowd, um, walking around, giving the applause. um, Just really, really incredible. And a a moment that I know he will never forget. I know a moment that Spurs fans will never forget. um, And just a really, really good, solid victory. And probably, I think, the best 90 minutes from start to finish that Spurs have played all season. Which, for it to come against this lot, in this moment after a, a transfer window closes and you're looking at the rest of the season saying, all right, there's, there's, I'll, I'll quote Harry Kane. There's plenty to play for. There's a lot to go after for this performance to come with all the adversity this team's facing with Antonio Conte still resting back in Italy following surgery um, and his deputy on the, on the bench in the dugout uh, leading the line for this team. And in this moment, I just, Todd, I, I don't even know what else to say. Like we kind of agreed to just come on here and not even really have an agenda and rap about this game. So start, where do you want to go to start off with this thing, man?
1: Well, I think we have to, we, we have to go, um, you know, after obviously mentioning Harry, I think we, we have to go to Stellini and that's where I want to start. I want to start with Stellini because um, when you have a team like Spurs, who uh, if you listen to the media is in a constant state of upheaval, but uh, that that has a magnanimous manager and that magnanimous manager at the end of a tumultuous window has a, uh, has a, uh, you know, a major surgery. You say what you want to say. It's a gallbladder, whatever he's supposed to be back in 10 days, but it's still a major surgery for a guy like Stellini to step in, in that moment, in the way that he has, and to put that team out and have them play the way that they did. Hats off to him. That's all you can say.
2: Yeah, no question about it. I mean, it was, I mean, I think no one would have expected them to come in and respond the way that they did. And and, and it's a great point you make, Todd. Like, Kante is, you know, like you said, it's it's a surgery that he's going to bounce back from. And, you know, it's a common thing. But it is still a surgery, and it is still, like, the, I, I don't think enough gets spoken about what Kante has been through this year.
1: Oh, I a hundred percent agree with that, Andrew. My gosh, just as on a human level,
2: from losing one of his best friends, just dealing with being away from his family, um, just all all of the, all of the shit that that guy has had to shovel, um, and and now <laughs> this, and and you know, there's I know there's questions about his contract and the future and all this stuff, but like, it, I get why there are like on, like you say on a human level, I get all of that stuff, um. So it's it, it is remarkable that that you know as fans we all kind of sit around and, and bitch and moan, but that guy has really gone through it. So to, to see, you know, Stellini come in like he did today and and, and pinch hit for, for Conte was was really, really cool. Um Scott, you you we, we kind of touched on it at the top, but Harry Kane, like this this moment for him just <sighs> the goal itself was so brilliant. It came out of the the thing for me that came out of this goal. And, and and this is kind of where I wanted to get to the way that this game was played was such a, an old school throwback Tottenham hotspur vibe to me. It was pressing. It was on every ball. It was making them earn every damn thing. And the goal just 15 minutes in comes from that. It come from, came from period, being there to press on in in the offensive end, and he picks up the ball. He gets it to the man who knows how to put it in the back of the net, and Harry Kane does that. Like just 15 minutes into this game, you knew this was this felt like a different Spurs game today.
3: Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of the the, the overarching I think point to this whole conversation. You know when we when we mentioned earlier, I wasn't I wasn't expecting much, and was pleasantly surprised. We saw a completely different side today than we're used to seeing. Um, you know, I think I, I mentioned in the chat that it's a 0% reflection on Conte when I say this, but our best two matches this year, at least visually, have been under Stellini. And I think there's something to that. I think, I think what it is, honestly, and I have no fucking clue, right, but knowing how intense of a perfectionist and a manager in general conte is i think when he's not there there's just a little bit of breathing room and the message from stellini is just you know go play your football and and i think there's just it's like when you're when you're when you're like a salesperson and your manager's not in the pit one day they're like gone for the afternoon right and you can just make dials and not worry about your, your manager's opinion of the work that you're doing right? And I think that's probably why they play so well when Stellini's been in charge. So it's something that they'll have to work through. Do, does Conte need to be there? 100% Conte needs to be on the touchline every single match. But I think there's a takeaway from when Stellini's in charge that I'm sure the club will be looking at. Hmm. Well, you can also, I, I think, Andrew, you, you can also
1: speak to the fact that um, this is how we play City at home. So I think that there's an extra air of confidence for the guys, you know, being at home, knowing what's going on.
2: I think that's true. I also think there was, there was a certain amount of, I'll say a certain amount of discipline. We'll, we'll come on to Christian Romero and some of the yellow cards that were being thrown, thrown out today. There was a certain amount of discipline though, in the way that they played as well, that I'm not even hundred percent sure that we've seen up to this point in the season, there was that tenacity and that aggressiveness, but you know, I was talking about it before we before we started recording. It, it seemed like for the first time all season today, and and I know it's an exaggeration to say it was the first time. I know that there have been other instances where where this has happened, but this game you really felt it because of the opponent, because of everything else. It felt like we were on every second ball. It felt like there was never an opportunity where City got the ball and there wasn't someone there pressing. It felt so. Throwback. It felt like it felt a little bit like Pochettino ball. To be perfectly well, honest with you.
1: Okay, so I think what we're seeing here is we're seeing the fact that most people, when they play City, are so in awe of all of the, um, you know, all of the pieces they have going forward, all of the individual players that they have, that they don't press. And <clears throat> what I've seen from us is I've seen that I've seen that every single time. City get the ball, Andrew, we're forcing them backwards. We're forcing the way that our shape is setting up is setting up in a way that keeps pushing them to turn away from the forward momentum.
2: Yeah, I I, no, you're completely right. And a a big example of that, I think, is the fact that for the first time since he joined Manchester City, Erling Haaland didn't, didn't have a touch in the box. He didn't have a shot on goal. He was completely neutralized and mitigated. And did he play today? Exactly. I mean, when you can do that to that type of player, uh, there's a lot of questions to be asked of, of the other players around him. And it is interesting. Like Pep Guardiola seems to have set this team up to focus on one player. And that's not something that that team has been over the last handful of seasons. And I'm not saying that, that Pep Guardiola has lost his magic or whatever, but the man, I especially don't think he's lost his magic when it comes to making excuses because the excuses that he's making in the post-match comments, that guy is in his bag. Don't get me wrong. Pep is Pep. But it's, it, it, is, it was wild to watch the job that they were able to do on Halan, and the only thing he, he had going for him is having a center back or a deep-lying midfielder try to ping a pass over the top to him. There was no getting settled for City. In our offensive end and having their time with us, like, you know, the, the, the the cat playing with the mouse. There wasn't that there, there was never a, 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 there was never a point in this match where I felt Spurs were under the, under the city foot and really trying to fight their way out of it. The entire time there were release valves there. and, And that speaks to honestly it speaks to the job that the center backs did getting the ball to the midfielders. It speaks to the job that, that Benton and Hoy both did and getting the ball out to the wingbacks who played ex- extremely well. I mean, we will come on to, to the, to the game that Emerson Royal had like, Holy shit, what a job, but like it speaks to the, 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 the tactics that, that Spurs were able to implement because city were just not able to get settled. And when you, when you unsettle that team, they look off of it and they looked way off of it in this game. And that, and I think that, I think that has way more to do with Spurs than it has to do with City just having a bad game.
1: And you know, the thing, Andrew, is that like, I don't think that we can talk about this any further without mentioning exactly how rotated this City side was. Okay, you're not. This is not the Laporte and Stones in the middle with, with De Bruyne and you know your Sergio Aguero's. This is not your 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 father's or older brother's Manchester City team. I mean, you've got guys like Ake and Akinji or Akengi or whatever playing center back for these guys, and it showed. They got they. You know, you're, you're looking up. I thought Rodri had the worst game I've ever seen him play in a Manchester City shirt. And that Lewis kid, I thought, did a decent job, but he got his ass handed to him by Kulisewski and Emerson on multiple occasions, and it was awesome to see.
2: Well, you that, know what's ironic about that, though, Todd? That not said, to cut you off, but the, the last time we played them, which was, what, like 14 days ago or something, they also played a rotated side. Like, and they they whooped our ass in the second half after we had gone up against them two nils. So like, I hear you, but at the same time, Pep, Pep, I just, I, I think the conclusion is Pep's doing some weird things there. Like he, he, he rotated KDB out of the lineup today because of his tactics, which I find strange.
1: I, you know, the KDB one isn't a conundrum to me, and and, and I'm never going to question Pep Guardiola, especially when you literally have two first teams hanging out uh, uh, and on your bench. Like, that. what the fuck am I, I going to say to that guy? Like, oh, oh, my bad. My bad. You decided to play uh, Julian Alvarez and Jack Grealish and Mares instead of playing Gundogan and De Bruyne and Calvin Phillips. My bad. You know what I mean? Like, okay, that stuff happens, right? So I, I think that the biggest difference, honestly, is Tottenham. I think we had a different Tottenham team show up. I think there was a different swag uh, about the team that was in the building today. I think everybody felt it. I think it was something there, especially getting that goal early in the scrappy way that we got that goal invigorated us to continue doing the same for the rest of the match. I think the, inversely, When you get frustrated, when you don't take your chances, and you go into halftime nil-nil or down a goal, it makes it really hard to look at the guys and go, "Hey, dude, get excited about going out there and pressing for another fifty minutes."
2: Yeah, I I totally agree with you. I just I feel I feel like too again it was the tactics, and I mean we we didn't we also didn't even bring up the the weirdness when it comes to City with Jao Cancelo leaving on loan to go to Bayern over the past week um at the end of the deadline. But like the tactics for me though, were like I said, it just reminded me a lot of how we've played city all the previous times. And I just thought, wouldn't it be wild if this one was different? It's, it's still mind blowing to me that city have not scored inside the Tottenham Hotspur stadium in what is it now? Five games, including that one champions league tie. Like it, it, it's just very bizarre to me, and well, none of it, none of it feels, none of it feels like the real world. But we, yeah, we just continue to own City in London. It's it's bonkers.
3: Well, today especially, I think the crew, the NBC sports crew, Rebecca Lowe, et all, we're we're talking about this today. Um, City has the same amount of goals, at least close enough to say roughly the same amount of goals as what they had last year at this point in the season, but well, Holland has 25, and I think the next closest is Foden with four, so they're not distributing the goals. Um, NBC crew somewhat alluded to that being the reason why Jao Kinsella had fallen out with the club, right, it was around the tactics that they're deploying uh, currently, and I don't know anything about it, right, but what I can tell you is that when you have that, big of a gap between your first and second goal scores, you are gonna run into problems and start to sputter at some point. So somebody one of you had mentioned that Halan had zero touches in in our box today. If you shut the person you who know, has twenty five of the team's goals down, knowing that the next closest guy at four is not even on the field, you're probably gonna win the game, right? So I'm not quite sure how we did that. If I knew exactly how we did shut Halan down, I'd probably be employed by the club, right? But we we did that today. Um and I think that's why we won. So thanks to to City and Pep for having some flawed tactics this season, I would say. Well,
1: I, I don't know. I, I think you might be getting to a point, Andrew, where you have an embarrassment of riches. I mean, the thing is, is you, you guys say, oh, wow, it's it's interesting. Why would Yao Cancelo leave? Blah, blah, blah. The reason why Yao Cancelo left is because he's a right back playing left back for City. And he got a chance to go to Bayern and play right back. The thing is is it like when you look, when you look at the situation it's like he was one of the best left backs in the, in in the entire Premier League last year which is great but he's a right back. So that said, I I look at City and I go everything moves in cycles. This City team having uh no Foden, uh having, you know, rotated out uh Gundogan, having rotated out De Bruyne, I look at him and I go okay, um, you're still formidable, but it doesn't have the same bite. So that coupled with the fact that we were a different breed of Tottenham today, I, I think is the reason why we got the result we got, Andrew.
2: Fair enough. Uh, let's let's stop talking about City. Let's talk about Tottenham a little bit more, considering this is the Tottenham Depot, and not the Manchester Depot. Um, r- the it, you, you mentioned play, getting to play right back. Let's talk about our right back, um, who was once again slotted in to play right wing back today, which I thought, okay, uh, we we did acquire a right wing back last week. If you guys remember, we talked about it on our last pod. His name is Pedro Puro. He did not start today. He did not play today. It was, once again, Emerson Royale in that spot. I kind of expected this, and I, honestly, I was kind of okay with it because I thought we're going to need to be more defensive against a team like Manchester City. Um, boy, did he have just the performance of his life. I mean, he was absolutely incredible i saw after right after the game he walked over to the sideline he emptied out his pockets jack Grealish fell right out it was great (laughs) he um it was it was excellent so i mean what a remarkable performance from emerson
1: Uh, it truly was scott i i gotta tell you man um i the biggest thing that i noticed about that performance is how little he fucked up like, all of the other things that we saw were fantastic from Emerson, but they're all things that we've seen from him before. The biggest thing that I noticed is how well he kept his head and how little he fucked up.
3: Yeah. I mean, mistake-free soccer is always a good thing, right? Um, he's, starting, he's starting to play with confidence, I think, is, is a big piece of it. I don't think it's that crazy that, like, a year after you sign a guy, he starts playing well. You know, that's kind of how things work sometimes. He too, is only right? 24, but, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think he, Andrew, you said this, you know, it kind of reminds you of Sissoko at times, but he has busted his ass and continued to fight through stadiums booing him and what is a very toxic environment for him on social media. Right. If he cares to be involved in that, but um, I don't know. I think Emerson deserves a lot of credit and I'm thankful very fucking thankful that Matt Daugherty didn't start today against City so I do have to put that
2: well that would have been impossible considering he's now <laughs> no longer with the club he's in Madrid yes, um, yes. There, there it's I, I'm glad you brought up the the, the fans there, there was one moment in today's match and I called it out in our group chat uh, there was one moment where he got the ball in at about the midway point of the field. And it was a, a chance to really start a counterattack. And he completely slowed up the play. And all of a sudden, you could, if you were paying really close attention, you had your volume turned up, you could hear the crowd groan. You could hear even a few grumbles, which I'm going to put on the level above a groan, from the crowd okay. in that moment okay. when he did that one thing. And it was really just like, oh, the crowd sees a chance to break here and... Emerson got the ball and slowed it up, and that was literally the only moment where he, I think, did anything that would, could be. Maybe he, maybe he didn't see it. Maybe it was not actually an opportunity to go. I'm not even digging him out for it. I'm just saying there was one moment in this match where the you could you could hear it, just a tinge of it in the crowd and a bit of tension. And other than that, the guy just absolutely balled the fuck out. He was so good. I actually had to go back. I thought he had picked up a yellow card. I'm looking now. He didn't even do that. No. Um, He was just so on top of Grealish. And I, I'll tell you what, even the way that, I mean, they made a big deal out of it. P- Peter Drury on, on on the broadcast over here in the States on NBC made made a point every time Emerson and Grealish were, were jawing at each other and going back and forth they made it a point to point it out because it did kind of become a nice little sideshow within the the, the match itself. He didn't even go over to the top with that stuff. He was very calm and collected. And it was like, he was the one that was able to get a rise out of Grealish, not the other way around, which I thought was really important.
3: Well, he did. I guess any, any time you're an attacking player and you know that every time you touch the ball, you're going to have somebody smack smack on top of you, right, biting at your ankles and putting in strong tackles, you start to really second-guess yourself. And Grealish was going to the touchline a lot today. He was he was pushing himself wide rather than, than looking to be incisive and inverting himself like he typically does, creating those one-twos. So Emerson was in his head, you know, from a sporting perspective today without question, and um, I think that's why Emerson was so good defensively is he he was just competing he was competing with Grealish today and anybody who plays sports will will, will, will understand you know that that when you can create that little that little point of, of tension to compete against within within the game itself right and just have that extra push of 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 intensity and something that pisses you off a little bit you're always going to play better and um you know i think we have to recognize that he's able to get himself there too because it was it was a perfect performance, like you both said today, from Emerson.
1: Yeah, I don't really have anything to add to that, man. It's, uh, you, you look at the situation that they had. It was a one-on-one matchup. Emerson you know, rose to the challenge. I think the biggest thing is, is that he knew what he had to do. There was no question about what Emerson had to do today, and I think he did it exceptionally well. When, you, when he thinks, he fucks up. And so I'm excited to see that they were able to give him a very direct job, and he did it directly.
2: Yeah, he did, and and honestly, the entire defensive. The, the the next player I want to talk about is Romero, though, because mm. there is something to talk about there. And mm. I've even seen it floated that now that uh, Christian Romero is going to miss the next match due to a red card, mm-hmm. why not throw Emerson at right center back and throw Porro out at the wing back spot?
1: Because you have Davinson Sanchez, and he's in, and he's he's the far better as a right center back than Emerson Royale would be as a right center back. I tend, I, I tend,
2: I, yeah. tend to agree with you, but I'm just saying I've seen it floated. Um, People are stupid. Let's, um. <laughs> let's let's get on Romero though, because I, I think this was a it was a really good performance from, really I think all three of the center backs and and just the the defensive collective as a whole. But the two fouls that led to both the yellow cards for Romero are just the exact thing that I think is holding him back from being one of the best defenders in the world.
1: Um, But I, okay, fine. I'll give you the second one. You left a leg in, right? If you leave a leg in, you're going to catch a card. If you're on a yellow and you leave a leg in, you run laps, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, like you, you, like that makes sense. Like you're going to hurt your team. If you, if you leave a leg dangling when you're on a card, it doesn't matter the minute, but especially in the second half, Um, the first one, no, the first one is what makes Romero great. The timing was a, a, a fraction of a second off. Keep being that aggressive. I don't like the timing of that play. That's my only thing is do a better job of knowing when to be that. Like at minute 27, you don't need to go flying in like three yards outside of the opponent's box. Like chill the fuck out, my guy. Um, But at the same point in time, like, We saw him do that. We've seen him do that throughout his career and just clean fucking people out. And the referees say, no, it's all ball. Keep it moving. So I want to see that. It's just, like I said, it's just, you you have to... uh, What's the best way to put it, Andrew? Situational awareness was low today from Cootie, and we need to get better at
2: that. Yeah, Romero definitely has to be more situationally aware of what he's doing, especially at the end of the game there. And honestly, I like... The first tackle too is just for me, it's it's pointless in that moment. It's reckless in that moment in a game where you know you're going to have you know, the Parasit yellow card, for example, uh later on in the match is is tactical in nature and it's smart and it's not reckless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The the other ones that we saw, and I think
1: I think the Bentacore was too. The Bentacor one where he cleaned out fucking Harlan early was awesome.
2: But the two from Romero are just needless and pointless, and I feel like I I can't remember the last time Romero picked up a yellow where it wasn't kind of silly, like where (laughs) it was just a tactical foul and for him, for him to drop those two in today. And granted, it's not like the second one came super, super late uh, or super, super early. Rather, it came, you know, with three minutes left uh, in, in the 90. And then obviously they had to withstand the stoppage time, but for you to put yourself, your, your team in that spot, even for those final eight to 10 minutes, that's, that's a problem.
1: No, man, I'm not going to dig him out. And the reason why I'm not going to dig him out is because Cootie plays on a yellow all the time. Like, how many times have we been like, oh, shit, did Cootie not even get a yellow that game? Oh, shit, did Cootie get a yellow, like, in, like, the 15th minute and then, you know, ride the rest of the game and play outstanding? Like, listen, he hasn't got that many red cards since he's been at Tottenham Hotspur. That's one. The second thing that I will say is he, the accumulation was racking up in the league. And if we have to miss Lester on kind of shit form right now and have him totally fresh for Milan on the fourteenth, I don't hate that at all, and he uh it's not a straight red, so he's back for West Ham on the nineteenth. Let's
2: fucking go, Scott where are you
3: on uh, Romero? <clears throat> he's gonna have to be be more careful i i I hear what both of you are saying, right I think he he will he'll get. He'll become more aware of of when he can be aggressive and when he can't be as he gets older. He's still young, right? Um, but he could have costed his team a big result today and a result that is going to create a lot of momentum. And so I'm the type, you know, where if I'm the manager, the, the message to Romero is very much we're okay here but you really could have cost the team today and these things have to have to get better, right? That, that first, that first yellow card is just stupid. And I know that, I know that the message is press aggressively today, right? We, we were looking to just hound the ball back at all costs, man. It was just like a pack of wolves and it was awesome to see, but your center back cannot take that yellow card and then play the rest of the match on a yellow card like that, 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 that can't happen. The second, the second tackle, I'm guilty of that fucking card all day long when I play soccer, man, I'm just lazy and I fucking stick my leg out and you know, whatever I get beat. But, um, but that first tackle is, is really the issue. And that's just, it's, it's a lapse in, in focus and concentration. And one thing that teams like city have that are at the top of the sport and win and win and win is they do not have lapses in concentration, like point blank period. Their managers don't allow it. Right. So, um, He's a fantastic player, but he's going to have to cut that kind of stuff out quickly. I would say.
2: Yeah, I totally agree with you. It just it it feels it feels like something that can't continue for 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 very long without like somebody getting in his head and being like, "Dude, cut the shit," because you're a really yeah. talented player. You know how to do this, but the and and you don't want to lose any of his aggressiveness either. His aggressiveness within the confines. Like mm-hmm. you don't, you don't want to, you don't want to tell him to be less aggressive. And then he loses this, you know, this edge that he has as, as an actual defender.
1: So how do you walk that line, Andrew? I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at. Cause I'm air on the side of, Hey, listen, <clears throat> the more reps you get, the more games you play, you'll learn like, he's still young man. he's 25. Like you'll still, you'll learn like where that line is. As Scott was mentioning, like when to bring out that aggressive. I mean, on, that right? comes from
2: coaching you that's got to be coached. And, and well, I, I, I think that I,
1: it comes
3: from coaching, but it also comes from experience more than anything else. Yeah, I do. I do think soccer is the sport more than any other sport where, where a player does just kind of have to play and grow and learn too. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's really the only sport you'll see where, when match, when the match comes, you say, go do what we've been practicing. And they just go play. Right like you really can't implement much more than that at that point. Once the game begins, coaching is, is only done really at halftime and, and outside of the match itself. So it is unique in that sense. And um, I do think there are elements of growth that just come from players playing the game. So I don't know, a little bit of both probably.
1: What's us muscle memory, especially when we're talking about instinct here, we're, we're, we're honing something that's very uh, unique and very finite. And in his timing, Andrew he's incredible his natural sense of timing when you pair that with coaching and with repetition and experience that's where you get that that best defender in the world because that instinct has to be there first and it's there with Cootie I think that one give him two more seasons and he'll be consistently like
2: like PFA team of the year I, I mean I, I think that's right I think that ability is there it's it's just the mm-hmm. the other the other you know the other wires have to be plugged in in the right places for for, for it all to come together I think there are, there are certain parts of the game that are definitely there and definitely like world class elite um there's just a few things that need to be ironed out there and he can be like I said I think he can be one of the best defenders in the world if if those things come to fruition if they don't, I think he's going to continue to be this player that has all the talent in the world, but also has this run of undisciplined football in him that, that can be harmful. Um, luckily it wasn't more harmful than it, than it was than it, than it needed to be today um, for, for Spurs to be able to get the win. Um, I, I, I want to talk about the midfield briefly too. We, we've talked about the attack. I, I didn't really harp on. I thought Sun had a really good game today um despite not contributing to a goal. Um, normally, when Sun has a good game, it's because he does that. But I thought, even in not contributing to a goal, Sun was really good. Kane was obviously brilliant um, and and got the goal, and I thought was really good in hold up play and the counter attacking and all of that. But I did want to talk about this midfield because thank you. It's something that we've I don't want to say we've bitched about the midfield this season. We've we have bitched about
1: the midfield this season.
2: Well, There's good shit. They haven't been great, and today they were great. Both of them, Core and Hoybier were fucking fantastic. And I, I, I brought it up on the Kane goal. Hoybier's ability to press, to steal the ball, to shove it over to Kane in the box, where he did on the pitch. I mean, the fact that they were that high up was was excellent. But it wasn't just the pressing; it was defensively, it was passing, it was getting the ball out of tight spots, using the wing backs. It was every little thing that you want. A two-man midfield that has every ability to be overrun, not just because of the nature of the way that they play, but because of the num- the sheer numbers and the fact that they are two, mostly playing against more than two with whatever opponent we face. I just thought they were really, really strong today. It didn't feel like a two-man midfield today. It felt like a four-man midfield with the two would of them. Would you
1: midfield. say, Andrew, would you say that they feasted?
2: Uh, sure. I would, but I would say that everyone, <laughs> I would say that everyone kind of feasted. Honestly, I
3: would. dude, I, no, the wingbacks, the wingbacks played so well. You know, Perisic maybe not as good as Everson. Perisic had his moments, but the wingback play was good, and that takes a lot of pressure off that midfield. It allows them to stay compact. Neither of them were having to push to the touchline as much as we often see. So I think I think honestly today and And I've probably said something like this a few times, but when this formation is played correctly, the midfield's gonna look good. And I think everybody just played perfectly today, and it took a lot of pressure off that midfield a, 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 a two man midfield, a, a double pivot, whatever we want to call it, is a, it just teeters on a knife edge, right? And we got it right today, I think so.
2: Yeah, and I just fully felt i I fully expected them to to come out and play kind of like they have all season and just like I said not not because of of Hoybier's individual talent Bentacore's individual talent or the talent of them two collectively in a midfield together but instead surely because of like I said numbers normally when there are more players in one area of the pitch on the opposing team than in yours you're gonna have more control of it and that just didn't happen today the the only moment where it looked a little bit harrowing was when they finally did bring on Kevin De Bruyne and city. I thought were able to grab a little bit more control of the game at that point, but they were never really a, a threatening city side. Like they normally are in that instance.
1: It was weird. Like when you looked at it, first off, I talked about how shit Rodri was today, but like, you know, who else was shit was, was Julian Tavares playing for them in that, like, like cam, like fall, like shadow striker role. I don't know. It left a huge gap, at least from what I was seeing between like Alvarez there was a giant triangle between like Alvarez Rodri and um Bernardo Silva where I just felt like Bentancur and Hoybier were were able to kind of position themselves so that and Kane as a matter of fact so that every time that there was a turn Kane was in a good position to receive the ball and I felt like Bentancur and Hoybier had the ability to roam freely within that kind of triangle of space um Dude, the pressing for the on Hoybier's part for that goal is just like a straight up hustle Viking play, and it made me so fucking happy that forever and ever and ever the assist on Harry Kane's record breaking
3: goal goes to my fucking Viking. Let's go. Well, and honestly, this I, this sounds reactionary, but it, I don't. I, I it, it feels very comfortable to say like if we can take it to City like that. We, we should be doing that much more often than we do. And I, and I hope that we have plans to implement that type of press. And maybe it's just execution. Maybe we finally executed today. I don't That's know. That's exactly what it, what it is, Scotty. That's exactly what it is. We talk about
1: individual errors FC all the fucking time.
3: Yeah. But either way, like w- when you have one, Hoybier and Bentiker both are fantastic at winning the ball in the high press and playing one twos. They're both technical players, right? We've seen Benteker, he had, he had two goals right before the World Cup against somebody that were just like great one-twos in the box. It was a great performance right before the World Cup. And then, and Hoybier, we know can, can can be lethal in and around the box, right? He, he he can play as a cam if you really wanted the guy to. So to, to, to know that we've got those two capable of winning the ball so high up the pitch, I really hope that we can continue to deploy the tactics that we played today because there's there's not a team on the planet. Granted, we've talked about the city side being rotated, blah, 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 right? But there's not a team on the planet that's going to beat the press like city is. And we beat the shit out of them with the high press today. and We need to continue to play like that.
2: The Hoivier press reminded me so much. Now, it was in a completely different part of the park. Ben- ben- Bentoncourt against Leicester earlier this season when he stole the ball off of Ndidi and scored to give Spurs the lead at 3-2 um it reminded me so much of that exact play Bentecourt's was more almost like at the halfway line whereas uh Hoybers today you know was was much closer to the city box uh and then of course he didn't score he, he shoveled it off to Harry for the goal uh, which by the way that was brilliant in itself his ability to not only um press and steal the ball in that moment but also to to get that pass over to Harry was just so good um if the midfield is, is is able to play that kind of pressing football in this system, because and, and Scott, I think you made this point a little earlier. Like it is because the wingbacks were playing so well too. Like they are part of that. Um, it can't just be one or the other, all, all four across that line of the three, four, three, all four of them have to be working well in order for the two in the middle who get the most pressure because they're just two in the middle. Um, in order for them to look so good, so it, that all of that kind of goes into the soup of of what we're cooking here. But 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 those two have to like if, if they're able to press, it's because the wing backs are playing well and covering their spaces, and it's because everything's kind of clicking, and that happened today.
3: Yeah, no, you're spot on. I'm just gonna say that the you know it's a it's really a four man midfield. We talk about the two man midfield so often, and functionally it becomes a two man midfield, right? But in in theory the formation we play as a four man midfield. And so I think it just, it's, it's, it's not that surprising, you know, that we see the wingback play translate into a very effective midfield. Um, And I think it's probably again, back to what Todd, you know, affirmed earlier, it's probably what Conte has been preaching every single match all season long. Right. And we just, we got it right today for whatever reason. So.
2: Um, Did we, did, did did we pause enough on on the accomplishment and the and the just the the sheer emotion of the Harry Kane moment today? Because I, I do want to go back to that because it felt when that goal went in, everyone kind of knew what it meant. You saw his celebration. We heard him talk afterwards. I I don't think enough. I mean, we, we like we said, like I said, we started the show with it. But I don't. I, sometimes I'm not sure enough attention is paid to just how important he was and is to this club and and in this moment where he becomes the club's all-time leading scorer he gets his 200th goal in the premier league he's honestly well on his way to becoming the premier league all-time scorer <clears throat> if he so chooses um i, I just I, I think it's a moment to to pause and reflect on that and and how incredible this guy has been for more than a decade at this club
1: for anyone who's listening to this podcast right now, I want you to take a moment to remember where you were when that goal went in and who you were watching it with, because you will never see another goal of that magnitude in the history of this club, and with the exception of when he breaks Shearer's record. But you're never going to see another Harry King come along in our lifetime. Like, it's just not like the statistics statistically it's just not going to happen we don't think uh, about in the moment about how great he is and how important he is other than we don't want to lose him we're so afraid to lose him everybody's telling us we're going to lose him we don't get a chance really to relish exactly how amazing he is because he carries the mantle of that one season wonder he 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 carries the the mantle of 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 uh the trophyless great right the the for the american listeners the, the the ted williams if you will um and it doesn't matter harry kane's the most complete striker i've ever seen play football it's magic to watch him whenever like he is in the box facing the goal with the ball at his feet like the probability of him scoring is irrational it's so good we're never going to see this again and I'm so very thankful for him as our club icon and legend and now Andrew all-time leading scorer
3: yeah honestly today was such a massive moment for for Harry Kane obviously but for for the club itself but what I, I think what what it's very easy to look past is the the relief. I've never seen Harry Kane look like that on the soccer field before. Yeah. He he really just won his first major trophy today. Yep. Relief he, is the is the strongest he, of all human emotions, Scotty. He he literally yeah, it is. And he well said, Todd, and, and Harry Kane I really feel secured his first major major trophy today you know you can win the premier league and you'll be on a long list of people who have won the premier league but record goal scorer for a major premier league side is a is a serious accomplishment he now will go down in the record books um much more so than he will from any any premier league trophy that he wins right he will win one i believe but Today was a really big moment for him, and as you guys mentioned, when he breaks Shearer's record, he will have the two trophies that he cares most about more than anything in the world, I think, Um, as the record goal scorer for Tottenham and the record goal scorer in, in Premier League history, regardless of whatever else he wins. So I really think we will see a much, much different Harry Kane, and that's a scary thing to say because the dude is already unreal. But what I suspect is that the next time Harry Kane finds himself in a major semifinal final for, for, for a major trophy, either for club or country, he will play with a weight lifted off his shoulders. And I'm pretty excited for that to, to be at Spurs at some point. So
1: That's such a great take, Scott. I, I love that Thanks, so Don. much. No, dude, I really do because like you hit it right on the head. He looked so relieved As he was celebrating that goal, he looked so grateful to be in that moment. It didn't matter that we were playing city at home and that we're a, you know, a win puts us a point off the top four. Like none of that shit mattered in that moment. In that moment, the only thing that mattered is he was able to find his people in the stands. He knew where they were sitting. He ran right to him. He looked right at him he was able to look around and celebrate the moment with the fans and then get mobbed by his teammates and celebrate with his teammates it was awe inspiring and uh i got to share it with my son and it was really cool
2: it was really cool and it and i think i do i do think it opens up It opens up a a lot for Spurs for the rest of the season. I mean, we heard I I I love I love that Harry says there's a lot to play for this season because I know people think that you know the the thought of winning the league is out of hand. I mean, Spurs are 11 points behind Arsenal and blah blah blah. But there is a lot to play for, and especially when you look at what Spurs have coming for them. Because I took a peek ahead at the schedule, um, and the fixtures are. I mean, much much lighter than you would think uh, coming up. Now, that's not to guarantee anything, but uh, Spurs don't play another team that is really seriously in consideration for Europe uh, until they face Brighton on April the eighth. It is currently February the fifth as we record this. Um, that is wild to me. Now, who knows what could come with a with an FA Cup or or, or anything else, but. That's saying a lot. Um, Spurs, well, there's also play a Leicester. Chelsea
1: match in there. Like, granted, they're there, shit, there, but there is still Look, that.
2: Spurs play Leicester next week, then they get the Champions League tie kicked off against Milan. By the way, if you have not looked at what AC Milan have done since the World Cup, not so they rude. have been horrendous. Uh, they were pretty good before the World Cup. Since the World Cup, their form is completely out the window. So maybe get Spurs are maybe getting a team in the round of 16 of the champions league. That is right for the pick. We all could hope so. They do have a home match against West Ham, which will always be a challenge because it's West Ham. As you mentioned, they play Chelsea. They've got that FA cup tie that will either be against Wrexham or Sheffield United, which I don't think we've even spoken about on the pod, but that replay comes up soon. Um, they play wolves. They've got the return leg against Milan, Nottingham forest, Southampton who are currently sitting bottom and Everton, all leading up to the Brighton match. Now, look, later in the season, they still have tough matches. They have a trip to Newcastle, they have a home match against Man United, and they have a trip to Liverpool. All within, you know, uh, the same stretch. Um, they're gonna have tough games. I'm not saying that they won't, but the schedule is kind of breaking favorably here for Spurs. And when you look at the table, guess what? They're a point out of fourth. Now, granted, Newcastle, who are, are right ahead of them, have a game in hand. In fact. Everyone above them have a game in hand, but it's there for them. It's there for the taking. And that's why I think it ties so nicely with the Harry Kane piece, because it really does feel as if this could be a, a nice weight lifted from him personally and from the club. Now we've got, you know, you've got Pedro Poro on hand. You've got Danjuma who's come in to, 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 to provide reinforcements. You're hopefully going to have a, a manager coming back healthy after this, this, this surgery that he's had. I just, there's a lot of there's a lot of hope, a lot of optimism for these final handful of months of the season. And I think that, you know, we talked about at the start of the season how weird this year would be with the World Cup in the middle of it and congested fixture schedules in both October and April. I, I'm really positive about where Spurs are right now, even though there's a huge contingent of the fan base that just continues to not want to be and can, continues to want to complain after a transfer window uh, and complain after, you know... Answers that came to a supporters trust this week uh, that had some very awkward and weird questions in written form which I like there's just there's problems all around but this club right now I think is in a good place and I think fans should take a moment to appreciate and accept that for, for what it is.
3: Yeah, no doubt.
1: I don't disagree. I don't disagree there. Yeah, I don't disagree with that I I, um, fans want answers businesses aren't required to give answers in the way that they, that fans want them. Um, (laughs) In this instance, the club gave answers that were calculated and measured, said a lot without saying a lot. Um, And many fans are interpreting them however they want to fit their narrative. Um, That's tough at times. We can only Judge them on what was said, not what we think was implied by what was said. And uh, with that in mind, I it, I don't know. I, I, again, like when you blur the line of fan and club, it <clears throat> makes for some interesting conversation, Andrew. But ultimately, it's not going to change or impact significantly the product on the field. And I think that that's really what we care about. So I mean take it for what you what you think it means.
3: Honestly, I think, you know, as far as, as far as the trust goes, I think the trust are in between a rock and a hard place, right? I think they they're in this age of social media where there's all this pressure put on on, you know, I guess them as the representation of the fan base to demand things of the club. Of course the club can't give more than what they've given, right? So the trust, I don't know, I, I do feel for them at times in, in between, you know, a hostile fan environment that's just kind of the norm these days and then a club like Tottenham who's always going to give the fans something to complain about, right? So, um, you know, it is what it is. But as far as as far as far what's ahead, I mean, I think it's not out of the question to start talking about what if. You know, I don't think there's any harm in, in, in thinking along the lines of, the table and climbing it all the way to the top before the end of the season. But honestly, with what we did today, I just, I think we just have to say three points at a time because a lot, a lot can happen. A lot can happen. City do not look good. Arsenal will drop points. They just did this weekend, right? It's not going to be um, out of the question, to to think that we could climb the table but every point matters so three points three points three points if we keep our head down keep our minds within our own training space right and go execute I don't know I agree with Kane there's a lot to play for so um you know and it's funny how one match can make you feel so much more optimistic about what's ahead but I think it's not crazy to think that with sports too optimism comes through good performances right and good performances make you believe that you can have more more of them so um, it's a, it's on the club and the manager now, but I'm I'm excited to see what comes.
1: Well, I don't know, Andrew. You you know how I am. Uh all things come in threes. And if you look at this club on a three-game bounce, I mean, uh I'll I'll say we're looking pretty good. I'll say we're looking pretty good.
3: Okay, we're gonna we're win good. the league, huh?
1: <laughs> what I'm saying right now is um uh, an an abysmal performance in a North London derby at home is a long, long way away from most people's minds. And I'm super thankful for that. Um, What I will say is that for whatever reason, we tend to play down to competition, Andrew. And so I am putting zero cards before horses uh, with with a a, a Conte uh, system that can just plain forget how to score goals at times, apparently. Uh, I'm not going to uh, forget what we watched a lot this season. Just because um you know at the end of the day we put we've stacked a few good results <laughs> but um what i what I will say is that uh we seem to be gathering momentum, and I'm not mad at that,
2: Caroline has joined us luckily, uh, I'm so glad that Caroline was able to jump on as we were recording, so. We, 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 we've brought her in. She is at CG Stefco. Kaz, how's it going?
0: Uh, It's going great. I mean, it was, How could it not be, right? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, having a record broken is always a, an exciting moment and just seeing the smile on Harry's face after he scored, I feel like made up for a lot of the uh, strife that we've been through as a fan base (laughs) in recent weeks. So yeah, I feel like the, the vibes are a lot better around Tottenham after this weekend.
2: Yeah, and that's kind of what we were just alluding to. But before we even go further on the vibes and and just kind of the direction of this club, us boys have been blabbing here for a little while about the game itself and and about really about Harry Kane and Emerson and 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 even a little bit of Romero in there. But but what what is your feel on this game? Like the just you know the game itself. What what how did you take this in and and enjoy this today?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, there was some initial, I guess, disappointment with Poro not starting and actually not getting an appearance at all, as it would turn out. But I thought the team that Stellini put out there worked hard, you know, worked for each other. It kind of seems like post-transfer window, the squad realizes like, hey, this is who we've got for the rest of the season. We need to make it work, you know, and help each other. And I just felt like there was an overall, you know, determination across the pitch from everyone to pitch in where they were needed, whether that was on the counterattack, whether it was in defense. So I, I was just really pleased with the overall performance. I feel like there weren't really too many players I could I could single out as having a bad game. Um, you know, there were a few like individual moments that weren't great, but for the most part it was it was pretty solid from everybody and the only downside I can really bring up is Romero getting his second yellow. But, you know, he's, he's going to miss one game against Leicester. I'm not, like, too stressed about it. So
2: <laughs> we, we, we talked at length a little bit about Romero earlier, and I did want to get your take because I feel like, you know, Romero is a player that I think has a talent to be a world-class defender but that's the one thing the discipline stuff that's that's kind of holding him back from that do you do you align with that or do you do you have a different take
0: I I think I I think I agree for the most part you know it's it's just an awareness that he seems to lack at times um just knowing that you're already on a yellow that was such a late challenge for him to make it wasn't even like you could say oh it was just a mistake like no He really went for it (laughs) and it was too late. So I don't know. He's, but you kind of have to balance it with, he can't do the things that he does. If he plays with that fear, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like he has to have a certain element Mm -hmm. of risk taking to pull off some of the exactly. Yeah. The tackles that he makes, you know, and it's, I guess it's just kind of that gamble of sometimes he's going to get it right. Sometimes he isn't but you kind well, of I'll, need somebody in each team that, that has that sort of willingness to make mistakes, but to I'll, also pull off the great moments.
1: I'll say Kaz that um, when you have that natural instinct and that natural timing, timing is everything that the experience that he's gaining now and will have, you know, and and continue to gain over the course of the next you know year or two will really help him kind of, Fine tune that ability to uh, to to harness that crazy ability to collide in at the perfect moment and, and use it more effectively and, and less rashly.
0: Yeah, and you know he's still young, and even though he's been with Spurs, you know, for over a season now in terms of actual games played, I, I think he probably hasn't played a full season yet. So he's it's it's okay for him to still be, I guess, adjusting to the pace of the league being a little different than it was in Italy, but I, you know, I still think he's one of our best players when he's in form. So.
2: No, no question about it. And then finally with you guys, just Harry Kane. That's all. That's all. That's the only prompt I'm going to give you. What do you, what do you want to say about Harry Kane? Because we, we all kind of had our say and I want to make sure you get to have yours as well.
0: Well, I just loved that the goal that he scored to break the record and be the standalone, you know, top goal scorer for Tottenham was such an important goal, you know, coming against a team like Manchester city where <laughs> I'm sure y'all talked about it earlier, but it was kind of, you know, in the back of our heads, we're all thinking, well, if we beat city, it helps arsenal, but you can't root against your team.
2: You know what? It's I, not I even, it's, wasn't. <laughs> it's so funny. You bring that up because it's not even something that we discussed earlier. And, nope. and, and, I, and I swear, I didn't like, feeds you that line, but it's so, you're so right. There was such a weird dichotomy over the last 24 hours mm-hmm. when Arsenal dropped points. It like, there was a weird, uh, fandom that was out there like, God, I hope we lose the city tomorrow just so that our, it hurts Arsenal. And that is insane. So no, it, it is. a, a <laughs> yeah. great, a great I, point that you make.
0: I'm glad that Harry was like, screw it. We're winning this game. We're going to take care of ourselves. City can worry about themselves. <laughs> And, you know, I, he's had some, some big goals this season already. And, uh, I think just seeing him show so much emotion, he, he doesn't always do that. I feel like, especially in his post game interviews as well, um, I think it was either Todd or Dakota just shared with us the video of him playing the tiny violin
2: yeah which, uh, is the, which is a popular TikTok trend for those who don't know yeah he did the he jumped, he's jumping on TikTok trends which is so not a Harry Kane thing like it's so <laughs> fucking wild yeah. but yeah but he's you're, not you're he was on. not
0: a one season wonder he's one of the greatest of all time mm-hmm. and you know the, the performances he's been having this season I think just really show how important he is to tottenham and Honestly, like we, we have to do everything we can to get him to sign that new contract. In my opinion, because he's just different gravy, as they like to say, over across mm. the pond.
2: Well, we wouldn't know about that. We're just a bunch of dumb Americans who who don't know shit about shit. So that's right. Well, that Adam. was a hell
1: of a two hours of entertainment on a on a uh, Sunday. It was, Andrew, it was I'll a tell lot sure of
2: entertainment. Was entertaining. <laughs> it was very entertaining. Uh, that that kind of leads to what I want to talk about, guys, because this whole. And I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but there was a protest of tens out outside the stadium today that were, that were these Enoch out folks. And it's like, that's kind of what we were talking about before with the vibe around this club. Like it's, I do feel like, and, and we just shouted out Dakota. I'm going to shout him out again. He points out that this is a real contingent of very online people. And I do think that that needs to be, Pointed out it's just that when we go to talk and commiserate about spurs and you know if we're not doing it on a podcast like like we are right now we're doing it probably on twitter or on blogs or on message boards or you know reading comments on articles or whatever we're doing on the internet and i think the internet is the one place that we all know is like a a a wonderful thing but also a terrible terrible wasteland um and i think that that's where a lot of these 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 folks reside that are like just super negative and, and anti Enoch and wanting would rather us finish fifth and, and (laughs) Arsenal not win the league, than us finish fourth and have Arsenal win the league. It's just like this kind of debate is just insane to me.
1: Well, uh, I'll I'll, I'll sum it up very easily by saying that it's not cold on the internet. Wait, what'd you
0: say? in hot takes.
1: No, as in it's not actually cold. It's fucking cold to stand outside of a stadium. There's no fucking way, even if I don't like Enoch, there's no fucking way I'm going to get up and not go to a football game of the team that I love. And instead, I'm going to go stand out in front of a stadium and hold a fucking sign. It's cold. Fuck that. There's no way. It's not cold on the internet, Andrew. It's really easy to be loud as fuck and an asshole on the internet. It's not cold.
2: That's Uh, fair. That's fair. That's good.
0: As a fan, I personally want to focus on things that, I mean, not that I have any impact on, but that I can reasonably think about and analyze, such as player selection, formations, tactics in the game, you know, things that we can actually see and understand. There's so much we don't know about what's going on behind the scenes in the club. And I just feel like it is a bit of a waste of time and energy to try to project your feelings onto what the club is doing um, to have these wild conspiracy theories about what's going on. Like, I just don't have time for it or the energy.
2: It's also impossible. It's also impossible to project tone in answers to questions in written form from a group of people who are, I think necessary, but also I think overstepping where they need to be more necessary. The supporters trust is a great organization, but they need to be helping facilitate things like travel to away games and stadium improvements and and accessibility uh, for, for for all people in the stadium and you know fan chants and those kinds of things rather than and, and I do think there's a little bit of element that they need to be interested in what's happening on the football pitch because that's where all of this starts and finishes but submitting written questions and getting them back and then trying to um determine a tone from the club on that it's not great and that's not to say what i like the club to instead of of answering these questions like this in written form would i instead like them to maybe hold a press conference or do interviews or do those sure i would love that all of that would be great but doing getting bent out of shape about a tone or about specific answers in written form to me is just a waste of my energy
1: well yeah in what sport in what world Do you, do you get to, do you get to ask the professional sports team, like, hey, where the fuck's all that money going? Like,
2: what? Do you get to do that for the, for the, for the other big corporations that, that, that are in your life that you, that you visit?
1: I mean, don't get me wrong. We'd love to, right? We'd love to. And the fact that they even like that the HR department even sent you a letter back saying thank you for your interest in our football club is something that should make you feel good. And they're doing a decent job. They don't have to tell you shit. And that's the thing is the fact that they don't have to tell you shit. And for all of those people that all spent all of January barking about how shit Enoch is, and we get to the end of the window and you've got a massive upgrade in um, your right wing back. You've got another threat up front that we're excited about. And you've got some kid that's been an absolute star at the youth level for Chelsea in January. And you're still going to sit here. And then we win it city against city. Like we got three wins on the back. Like, you just look like a you're just showing your whole ass out in front of that stadium right now. And I feel bad
3: for you. Yeah, honestly, this this is just a product of of what is European soccer now, right? This this sport that is just buy, 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 buy. You're gonna have all kinds of fans who are gonna be kicking and screaming about about not, you know, not spending enough money. But ultimately, people can do whatever they want. I'm not here to judge in any way, shape, or form. If you want to go protest, go ahead and protest. But I know without question that Joe Lewis and Enoch will not make decisions around a 30-plus-year business plan because of, like, 200 fans. Joe Lewis has 5.3 billion reasons to give zero fucks what you think. Yeah, and, and honestly
2: – But also it's the you truth. Know,
3: you know, and, and – the i think yeah whatever i I don't need to go on and on about it but ultimately people can do whatever they want but it does not matter and professional sports are something as caroline kind of alluded to that we we cannot impact in any way shape or form as fans right we can analyze and 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 have great discourse around the analyzing that we do but what what eleven guys on the other side of the globe actually, from where I am, do I have nothing to do with? I will watch the match, and after the match, I will go on continuing to live my life, and that's that's really all that I actually can come from watching sports, right? So, I don't know. It's just it's not something I would choose to invest my effort and my time into. But again, to each their own, right? I'm not here to judge anyone. So,
1: hold on, I want to th- I want to throw something out here and just throw a monkey rich in this whole thing. I'd love, I'd love for Enoch to be out. I'd love for Enoch to be out, personally. That's just me. I don't like him. I think they're fucking sleazy. I don't like the way they do business. That's just me. But I'm not going to show my whole ass in the middle of February out front of the fucking stadium.
2: <laughs> but only because it's cold. It is cold, is it not? You'd rather you'd rather take your entertainment uh for two hours in the warmth <laughs> from home. So I ra- that's,
1: that's I'd rather all. watch I'd rather watch Harry Crane Harry Kane break records with my kid.
2: No question about it. Um no question about it. I I, I don't have anything else to say on this. I, I think that uh yeah, if you want to be upset, be upset. But um also mm-hmm. like you know, what, what are you actually doing to unless you, until you get a movement of uh you know, two hundred thousand m- instead of two hundred. Um, I don't think you really have a movement. Um, you don't really have a a rebellion there. You've got a, a a small protest. That's all you've got. That said, we do need to still talk about the women's. Oh, sorry, sorry, Caroline, go ahead.
0: Uh, I was just gonna say if the Tottenham Hotspur supporters' trust needs a new project to focus their energies on, they are free to try to gin up some more support for the women's team.
2: God, what a fucking great um, transition, Caroline. Thank can, you. That's exactly I where say... I was going. <laughs> I should have, I should have just handed it off to you instead of stepping all over it. T- <laughs> yes, please. Can you, segue. Please. Can you just say,
0: well, and you know, this is something I'm very passionate about and it, it's frustrating being across a literal ocean because I would be at every single game if I could be. And you know, it, it kind of hurts me to see how, low the attendance has been at our home games this season Um, you know I I think maybe people who are fans of the men's team just don't understand what's going on over there but we have a team that is growing and getting some really exciting players in in recent windows and I mean the last few performances have just been getting you know better and better and the results are going to start coming and I feel like people should be getting in on this now you know what I mean (laughs)
2: oh i I totally know what you mean, and i mean let's 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 start by with this, as you said, the results are not there yet. Spurs women go out today, they lose three two to Chelsea who are really good, uh in fact, leading the league um but the performances are there, and that's something that we've we've seen so I mean, is i guess here's here's where I'll go with this, Caroline. is this due to some of the the new players that have been brought in? Is this due to just ryan skinner's system finally kind of g- starting to gel with the players that are already there what what is it specifically that you're seeing why this this thing that we're seeing like i feel like we're seeing a plane starting to take off and really get, take flight here with, with with spurs women
0: yeah definitely and i think it's kind of a, a combination of all of those factors like ryan always had a good sense of where she wanted to take this team. She just didn't have the players to execute it, I feel like. And part of that is that we, we had that horrible injury crisis, you know, almost from the start of the season, which we're still struggling with. I mean, we see that when it comes to the depth that we have, you know, the lack of quality subs on the bench that we can bring in to, to change games. Um, and that really shows up when we play a team like Chelsea, who can bring like Fran Kirby off the bench. You know it's kind of apples and oranges, but things are getting better as we start to bring in players. You know, slowly but surely, um, you know, a little investment every window. Not the Chelsea method of you know here's a whole new team, but we'll take it. And I think that the players who have come in, uh, Iwabuchi especially, have just made the whole team look calmer on the ball, more confident in possession you know we're trying to execute patterns of play that we just weren't doing earlier in the season and i think you saw that with especially our first goal was just a perfectly executed move um and then the second goal that we scored today nikki karchevska had come off the bench to make an impact and you know was in the right place at the right time and it was exciting to see her and beth england finally get to play next to each other cuz we hadn't seen that yet um, and I'm hoping you know Ryan might experiment with that formation a little bit more. but yeah, I just feel like we're we're making strides and the fact that we were able to not only equalize earlier in the game when we had gone a goal down against such a high caliber team, you know that was a good sign of mentality. and then to keep pushing, we got that second goal and it was a little bit too late to nick a draw this time, but you know, I'm, I'm telling you next season, we are finally going to take points off of Chelsea. Like I'm calling it now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it, it feels almost to me like this is a team on us and not, and not, not that I'm comparing them to the men's team, but it feels like this is the pre poach era where they're getting ready to take off and be that plucky little contender that can bust into Europe and do some damage to the rest of the league. And it's just like right in that moment before all of that happened on the men's side. And I think it's a re- like to your to your initial point, I think it's a really cool opportunity for Spurs fans, not just those who might be frustrated with Enoch or frustrated with the men's team, not on a day like today where they beat Man City, but on any other day where they're just frustrated to see what it can be like on the on the women's side as well. Because it's 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 they're doing Similar things to the men's team in terms of that slow build and, and and crescendo to something, and I think that's always as a fandom, it's something that could can be really exciting to be a part of. So to your point, it would be nice if you know maybe there was a little bit more talk about it, a little bit more support about it. It's tough when you look at at a at a table that that has Spurs ninth out of twelve teams, but at the same time, th- there's there's you're seeing it on the pitch, you're seeing the growth there. Um, as someone who watches it on the regular which is really cool
0: yeah sometimes you know if you just look at the table out of context you're like wow it's been a horrible season there's nothing redeemable about this but you have to to pay attention to like what the trend is in the performances um and on that note our next match is going to be at the main stadium so if you are in london or thereabouts get out there You know, we need to have a good showing because I can guarantee you that the Manchester United away fans will be there in force and we don't want to be showed up by them.
2: No, there's no question about that. And you're right. Manchester United, uh, Sunday, February 12th, get out there. That should be fun. I don't know what else there is to say. Um, Both these teams on the way up. I think there's a lot of positivity right now and why there's not a full amount of positivity. Again, that's maybe that's just the internet maybe that's just people in the warmth of their homes um, or it's you know like I said tens of people outside a stadium on a cold day but uh, who knows I do know that um, this has been a really fun day to be a Spurs fan um, and I think that there are more of those times together. It's not only fun because of we saw what we saw with Harry Kane, what we saw with the team um, and, and what we're seeing just in general with this club. Um, but it's fun because I get to come on here and and talk about it with with friends like you guys. So uh, we hope that all the listeners feel the same way. Um, we hope that you know just a a, a bunch of a, a American dummies uh, coming on here and talking about something that we're really passionate about and and also really and and also really entertained by uh, is is not too much for you all. Uh, we're gonna do it again next week. I know that uh, we'll we'll be back for that one. Um, we'll, we'll we'll do it all again next week, as we say for. The Todd father at TC underscore show for Caroline at CG Stefco. Scott can be found at DSM Spurs. I am at a Stetka follow us at Tottenham Depot for all the latest that we're doing here, uh, trying to grow this wonderful sport to all parts of the world and not just the one little spot in North London where this, this beautiful club resides. Uh, we're trying to, we're trying to spread the word and uh, hope that you are as well. We'll be back at you next week to talk about it. Come on, you Spurs.
1: Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Scott Bird for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, who really makes this happen. Supporters make this club, and you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot. And as always, come on you Spurs.